Welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Sarah. And I'm Ben. Thank you so much for joining us today. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, I think. Yeah? Uh, yeah. I feel like it's been a real up and down week for me, just in terms of like, I don't know, mental health stuff. But for the most part, like, things are good. I mean, this last week we had our wedding anniversary, so I would hope that that would be hitting the ups. Yeah. Okay, good. We've been married for eight years. Yikes. And <laughs> no, it's a good thing. It's very much a good thing. It just makes me feel very old. Oh, um, yeah. We had a really nice uh, anniversary. We got each other one Steam Deck. <laughs> we each got each other a Steam Deck. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's one. We each got each other half a Steam Deck to make for one Steam Deck. Yes. So we've been enjoying playing around with that all weekend, basically. Um, so I don't know if you're thinking about getting a Steam Deck and you want to know more, hit us up on Twitter, I guess. Or um, So yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm a little tired. I need to be taking a break uh, pretty soon here. Um, <laughs> finally taking the advice that everyone is giving you. Yeah. Everyone's been telling me that I'm suffering from burnout. So, you know, somewhere in the next little while, I got to take a break, but, uh, my job wants me to instead work double hours next month. Uh, so we'll see how that all goes, but I'm doing mostly pretty good. I'm pretty happy with things. Uh, how are you, Sarah? I am also feeling mostly okay about things as part of Steam Deck. I bought and played through the game Stray, a.k.a. Cat Game. <laughs> it's very good. It hit a lot of my feels. It hit a lot of the uh, sci-fi themes that I always gravitate towards and always find resonate with my soul a lot. So it was a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely would recommend playing Stray. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it for me. Yeah. What are we watching this week? This week, Sarah, we are watching Ein Toter Hing im Netz, which is German. That translates as A Corpse Hung in a Web from 1960, directed by Fritz Butger. Uh, so are these, <laughs> are these big spiders? I don't know. Oh. I don't really know. I think a guy gets mutated into a kind of man spider. Mm, okay. If you're new to the show, Sarah has arachnophobia. Pretty bad. I would say it's not pretty bad. I would say it's okay. I've been working hard to make it okay, but spiders definitely are a challenge. I feel like you were doing pretty well when we lived in a place with a large backyard where you were doing like a lot of gardening. You were trying to find some like zen in your relationship with spiders? Yeah, because it's like, I'm in your space. So it also allowed me to have some like exposure therapy, I guess. It's a little more hard now here in the townhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, castle, castle scream scene, because our basement likes to attract spiders. And mm. I'm trying to be chill about it. When they get to a certain size, they have to go. But I've seen a few like smaller spiders and tried to be chill mm. because I recognize that having spiders in a house is actually good because mm. it keeps those other bugs away. Mm -hmm. 
but it's it's hard it's hard because now now they're in my space yeah yeah you you have issues with spiders you also have issues with zombies those are like don't, there's no zombies in this is there? i don't think so it's 1960 i think we're just dealing with man spiders okay so this film comes to us from german producer wolf c hartwig who also produced the nakta under satin the the naked woman and the satan which we watched in episode 274 and is ranked number 124 on the list currently so this is yet another like that movie this is yet another one of hartwig's um zittenfilme uh or vice films uh, um kind of horror exploitation projects i do not remember this other movie the title has nothing to do with the story so it was very like poor marketing I guess you could say. Mm. Oh, yeah. I remember now looking up the synopsis. Yeah, great. For context around Germany of this time as well, because this is, uh, I, I guess, this film, the Man Spider film, it is our second film since uh, pre-World War II in Germany. So we are in West Germany? Yes, this is West Germany. I should clarify that. So for, you know, a brief history of Germany, you can listen to episode 274 and get all that good, good context. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is sort of another exploitation project from the same producer, another horror exploitation movie. Hartwig observed when sort of embarking on the journey of producing this movie that, uh, in his opinion, all it took to have a box office winner for one of these movies was a good monster and some naked women. I mean, according to Hollywood, he's not wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's kind of the, the attitude of the movie's producer going in, is we need a monster and we need some naked chicks. And that's that's all you need for a good movie. Okay. Uh, so the project was written and directed by Fritz Botker, um, a German actor, writer, and director. Uh, his background was as a dancer, uh, and he initially joined the film industry in 1938 as a choreographer, uh, before then becoming an actor, then a writer, then a director. Uh, he was born in 1902, and he passed away in 1981. The lead actor in this film is Alexander Darcy, uh, who was born Alexander Sarouf in Cairo in Egypt in 1908. Oh, he appeared in nearly 50 films over his career, and he kind of regularly bounced between America and Europe. So he would do like Hollywood films, and then he would go to Europe and do mostly French films, but lots of different European films. He kind of had a home in France and a home in Hollywood that he would bounce between. Um, his first feature film was The Garden of Allah in 1927. And through the 30s and 40s, he kind of established himself playing like suave or roguish kind of characters. By the 1950s and 60s, his career had diminished and he was mostly appearing on TV and in horror movies. Uh, but he was also a favorite character actor for like Maverick filmmakers, I guess you could call them. Uh, Maverick. Roger Corman, Russ Meyer, and Sam Fuller uh, used him a lot in the late 60s and early 70s. Okay, so in horror movies or kind of more... 
well, exploitation kind of movies. Well, Roger Corman, you know, we know him. Russ yeah. Meyer basically invented softcore porn. And Sam Fuller did like The Wild Bunch and like a lot of like movies that pushed the boundaries for like violence and stuff, right? Ah. So, so, so a bunch that's of, what you mean by Maverick. Okay. Yeah. A bunch of like grindhouse directors liked to use this guy as a character actor, basically. Okay. Sort of the way that like Tarantino would pluck actors from 30 years ago and bring them back in his movies. Alexander Darcy passed away in Hollywood in 1996. This film was shot in Yugoslavia in the fall of 1959 with uh, Jorg Krause as cinematographer. He's probably best known for shooting Stanley Kubrick's Paths of Glory in 1957. Okay. The film was released in West Germany on April 16th, 1960. It was originally released in the U.S. as... um, like a nudie movie, like that was the market it was released in, uh, in March. Not to be confused with like 3D. No, nudie. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, you're making a joke. I'm I get you. No, I'm with you. Um, it was released in the nudie markets in March of 1962 with the title It's Hot in Paradise, uh, <laughs> dubbed into English by Pacemaker Pictures. And then it... So named because they get your heart pumping, I, I guess. I guess, Yeah. Uh, It was later re-released in November 1967 with the nude scenes cut out, um, which lowers the running time from 86 minutes to 75 minutes. Wow. um, As just like a straight horror film. Uh, And at that point, it was given the title Horrors of Spider Island. Um, And it was booked as a double feature with a re-edited version of The Flesh and the Fiends called The Fiendish Ghouls. In that version, it was featured as episode 11 of season 10 of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and it was released uncut uh, on Blu-ray and DVD by Severin Films. Uncut. Unrated. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So which version are we going to be watching? So we're going to be watching the original German version, Ein Totter Hing im Netz. And that translates to corpse in the web? It's, It's almost like pretty literal. Ein Totter... A corpse hung in nets, hung in a web. A corpse hung in the web. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, yeah, if you'd like to watch along, it's on our YouTube playlist as well. Okay. Uh, well, folks, you can find that playlist on our website, ScreamScenePodcast.com. You're going to hear a brief musical interlude. And when we come back, we will discuss Ein Totter hing im Netz, a.k.a. A Corpse in the Web from 1960, directed by Fritz Boltger. See you on the other side, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. We just finished watching Ein Totter Hing im Netz from 1960, directed by Fritz Butger. Sarah, what did you think? The title is accurate in that there is a corpse hung in a web. Right. Um, it's also accurate in there being horrors mm-hmm. on a an island. With a spider. With a spider. Yep. Overall, I I found this movie a little tiring. Mm-hmm. It kept forgetting it was a horror movie. Somehow in this nudie horror movie, uh, there wasn't enough nudity or horror. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, it shouldn't take us too long to run down the story since not much happens. What do you mean? A ton of stuff happens. <laughs> There's not stuff I need to mention on here. When we open, we see that there is a guy named Gary. He is a show manager, and he has his secretary, Georgia. They are hiring dancers, um, at least 12 in New York, to go on a show that's going to be performing in Singapore. Unfortunately, their plane goes down as they are traveling the Pacific, and Gary, Georgia, and seven other ladies are the only survivors. They drift to a remote island, Luckily, they happen to find a cabin. Unfortunately, inside the cabin is a man in the web reading his diaries, which like, come on, guys, this is supposed to be private. Um, they learn that this Sarah, man... Sarah, you, you, you do terribly in a survival horror game. How are you supposed to learn the story at all if you don't go through and read everyone's journals? <laughs> this man is a professor. He was researching uranium deposits on this island. Now... Everyone is like, cool, let's stay at this cabin for the night. And uh, one of the ladies, Linda, she makes moves on Gary. Gary starts making out with her, and Georgia doesn't like this um, because Georgia and Gary are kind of an item. Um, they're not married or anything. So Gary is like, ugh, it was this heat that made me do that. And he goes off on a walk to kind of cool down. And then he is attacked by a giant spider. Asterisk, giant spider in the D&D sense, because when you have a giant spider or you turn into a giant spider, it's like a spider that is dog-sized. Giant in relation to a typical-sized spider. Yes. This giant spider has, it's like... On its legs, they, instead of ending in like a foot, they end in um, a few claws that makes it look like a hand. Yes. And then sometimes the way that they have it posing, it looks like it's an Italian spider. Yes. That's like gesturing as it speaks spider language. It, it's about the size of like a horseshoe crab. It's got a big head with two big black eyes. And then, yeah, it's like forward most claws look like they have hands on them. So, you know, mutant giant spider. Yes. It, it is not natural. Mm-hmm. Now, lucky for Gary, he manages to pull off the spider and, like, shoot it full of bullets before he dies. Uh, unfortunately, it means that he turns into some kind of half-man, half-spider-mander. Yeah, like some sort of were-spider. Were-spider. Man-spider. Well, that implies that uh, he only turns on, like, the full moon. Sure. He looks like a man, except that he's got kind of a weird monster face now and claw hands. Yes. It is like an instantaneous transformation. The next day, everyone at the cabin goes looking for Gary. They all split up in teams of, like, two or three, and Linda stays at the cabin, uh, where she is attacked and killed. Now, there are women here who are in hysterics they're in a panic they're like how are we ever going to get off this island no one ever stops here we're fucked like people are dying left right and center what are we going to do one of them even looks like she's about to jump off a cliff 28 days later no one else has died um but they have about three days of rations left a ship goes by they try to get its attention it keeps going so they're really feeling like there's no hope then Bob and Joe arrive to meet up with the professor. They're bringing him some supplies, and they are surprised to find a ton of ladies on this island. Now, Bob, Bobby, 
he's a ladies' man and immediately hooks up with Gladys. He goes and he's like trying to hook up with all of the other ladies. They are also interested in hooking up. Joe begins to make moves with Anna, so just a single person. We get many scenes of dancing, etc., and Bobby goes to meet up with Gladys. She goes and like tries to find him on the path and discovers that he has been killed off screen. Suddenly she is chased by Spider Gary and she ends up uh, being chased off a cliff and she falls to her death. Now, in the midst of all of this, it is at nighttime, so there's at least that, but Joe and Georgia end up hiding in the cabin just as Gary barges in. And Georgia recognizes that it's Gary that kind of stops him from attacking her. So there is some sort of semblance of humanity still in him. And then he gets into fisticuffs with Joe. They manage to light some flares. And between Joe and Georgia and the rest of the ladies, they drive Gary into the quicksand, the famous quicksands Hmm. of Spider Island. And they are rescued the next day. The end. Yeah, that's basically it. Um, so despite there being so many people on this island, you only get a total of four deaths. And one of those is including Gary. Yes. Into the quicksand. Uh, it's just like, give me more death. On the bright side, on the bright side, Ben, it meant not a lot of spider screen time. Sure. I think that on one hand, this is exactly the movie that you get with these sorts of parameters and not a lot of money or talent being put behind it. Like, Hey, I'm going to give you this many girls. Uh, they're all going to be like sexy babes. They've got to be in various states of undress throughout the movie. Uh, you're going to go shoot this in like a park in Yugoslavia somewhere. There's going to be this cabin. You have like a monster mask and some monster gloves make a movie. Like, well, I, I want to contest what you said about no talent because mm. they are achieving what they're setting out to do. Sure. They aren't one take Bodine. Like they are trying to do this movie. Sure. Um, when they are doing horror, they do achieve doing horror. They do some neat lighting and stuff with shadows when we're focused on Gary in the bushes. Um, It's just that they frequently forget that they're in a horror movie and that they need to be making this horror. I think that what I meant by that was that they aren't really like exceeding the like base expectations Mm. of a movie like this. Like C, they got a C. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think there's a lot of padding for time here. Yes. uh, That somehow manages to make the premise of like a bunch of nightclub dancers stuck on an island with a man spider boring and i totally agree with you that like the biggest problem here is that not enough of the girls die when you've got this big cast like the reason to have a big cast like this in a horror movie is to kill most of them off yeah and i feel like the film almost sets it up that george is going to be our final girl Mm -hmm. um you could have had like one or two other final girls but we have six ladies at the end yeah and because of that not enough happens in this movie. And, you know, when I say that there's not enough nudity or horror here, like the nudity that occurs, there's like a scene where because it's like hot and we're not getting rescued and we're out of food or whatever, some of the girls like have an inevitable cat fight at one point where some clothes get torn off. And then there's another scene where they know they're going to get rescued and everyone's really happy and getting drunk and they decide to all like 
dance and frolic around naked for a while. Everyone's trying to get with Bobby and, and so on. And that's about it for the nudity. And it's like... Well, they do go swimming in that lagoon. Right, right, right. There's some skinny dipping. But like what they should have had is a lot more attacks on the girls by the man spider and like the man spider tearing off people's clothes as it's like attacking them in the jungle and stuff. And instead, like there's a long stretch of this movie where the only thing the man spider does is kind of like go to reach for someone from behind a bush and then they like brush him off and move on and they aren't actually attacked. And I feel like if you had sort of spread out the girl deaths through the movie's runtime and had a death every 10 minutes or so, you would have kept the pacing up a bit and you could have sprinkled in the nudity throughout um, rather than kind of having this like one really long interminable kind of dance scene where they're dancing and partying that kind of just goes on forever. Yeah, it is wild that they made a scene go on for what feels like forever but it's supposed to be a tantalizing, titillating, in more ways than one kind of scene. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, why? What is... Can, can we like move on, please? It's, it's kind of this weird thing of... like I don't know how much of the dissatisfaction I feel with this movie is because I'm from 2023. And what I mean by that is this is sort of like... Granted, this is a horror movie podcast, so we only have the horror movies of the time to compare this to. We're not comparing this to, like, other sexploitation films of this period. But I feel like this movie has, you know, a boundary-pushing amount of nudity in it. But there are no sex scenes. Um, The nudity is, like I said, it either is in a catfight scene or this scene where they're kind of, like, dancing and having a good time and people's titties are out and that's about it and it's almost like that's from a 2023 perspective too tame to be exciting to watch on its own well here's the thing i like i see what you're saying but the dance scene Mm -hmm. sure it's like oh she's not wearing underneath that flower boa for lack of a better lay well because it's it's not a necklace sure And then it's 10 minutes of, like, here she is flirting and dancing with Bobby. Bobby starts making out with someone else as she dances around them. And it just feels like it is a 10-minute long sequence that is not exciting because the camera is like, oh, look at Bobby making out. Look at Bobby making out over here. It it doesn't really go anywhere. There's no, um, like... Forward momentum. Yes, exactly. Like, you kind of need to either have it be like a strip scene where they start out in more clothes and gradually have less clothes as the dancing goes on or he needs to like move from flirting to dancing to fucking or like something you need some sort of progression throughout this scene otherwise it yeah it just kind of goes on for too long or the other thing that you should be doing in a movie like this in a sexy horror movie is you should be intercutting horror and sex yeah um so you should be having like sexy babes with their tits out dancing around with bobby and like getting frisky getting horny and then like 
intercut that with like one of the girls getting chased through the woods by the monster and like it's grabbing at her and she's screaming and and kind of increase the pace of your intercutting as you're moving towards the climax of both like the sexy scene and the horror scene like there's technique here that you can do and i don't know if it's just that like that technique has not been refined Mm. by this point which is like absolutely fair Mm -hmm. but this movie gives a little bit of whiplash with its tone shifts yeah because it starts with Sexy babes auditioning in the ways that you would anticipate a sex exploitation movie doing. Horror. Mm-hmm. Long stretch of sexy babes. A mm-hmm. little bit of horror. The end. Well, the long stretch of sexy babes also has a bunch of tone shifts in it, too, because there's sort of a portion of this movie that's like a melodrama oh no is gladys falling for bobby who's going after everyone else will bobby learn to step up yeah will like ann and joe get together like who's with who yeah so there's like this soap opera element there's also like a stretch of the movie that's kind of like a watch these women in a desperate situation kind of slowly tear themselves to pieces as they try to survive kind of section which is you know Good to have in a horror movie in like this context of like you're stranded on an island. Like sure. they were doing some of that near the end before it was 28 days later. The fact also, it should not have been 28 days. It should have been like we have seven days of rations mm. here. And so it's like much more compressed. It feels reasonable that like they like tensions are super, super high because it's not 28 days where like, oh, yeah, that's lots of time to hopefully get someone's attention. I think I think one of the problems here is like, you know, as we've said, they should have been spreading out the horror more and killing off girls throughout rather than just at the start and the end. But I think that like I think this is also why Gary is not only bitten by the man spider, but he also successfully kills it is like they wanted to have this whole sequence of like these guys showing up in the island, which like makes sense to me that like these guys show up because you need to introduce like some new characters into the mix to kind of change things up near the end of the movie. Do you? Do you though? (laughs) But like what they wanted was this, like even part of this bit of the movie is played for comedy, which like, again, coming back to those tone shifts, but this idea of these guys who show up and they're like, oh man, like working on this, deserted island with the professor like we've got all this stuff here but we're gonna be away from like women for so long and all i really want is a babe and then like oh my god we've come across babe island right but it was like someone is that babe ruth (laughs) someone (laughs) someone realized that like if the girls had been dying all throughout to the point where like maybe there's only two or three left by the time these guys show up then we couldn't have like this fun sexy like party with the girls thing because they wouldn't psychologically like be in the mind of that where if it's like oh we found the spider it's dead we know we're safe we just need to get rescued it makes sense that the girls like are not on edge to the point where they can have this like sexy beach party but it definitely undercuts the horror movie element and i feel like the big problem here is that the movie isn't a whole like it's a horror movie or a sexploitation movie but it doesn't really know how to put those two things together yeah that's definitely what's holding this movie back um when it does horror i think it does horror well um or at least like to the best of their ability um i think the compressed timeline would have really helped that 
differentiation of those two genres not feel as jarring. I do want to shout out that like the makeup on Gary and the spider puppet were pretty good. Yeah, for a movie of this kind, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I think the producer who wanted babes and a good monster, I think he achieved those two objectives. Right. I I think that like some of the characters are memorable. I really like Georgia as a character as this kind of like secretary who has like the crush on her boss who goes missing and then has to kind of turn into like the den mother for these like immature women um but as soon as the boys show up joe takes the lead and she doesn't have to do anything that's true um i also feel like it's a mistake like okay so the story is inane but no one's here for the story and so i appreciate that they kind of just like very broadly sketch things like they show up on the island and it's like oh there was a professor here who's dead now and he was looking at uranium so clearly that's why there's a mutant spider here like we you know like we're not yeah. going to go into depth about this stuff but on the other hand i really wish we had gotten to understand more about what happened to gary and like what gary spider's deal is because he's not like eating the women he kills like he goes back and he strangles linda and it's almost like did you come back to strangle linda because linda got you in trouble with georgia yeah and it also made it seem like the professor when he was caught in the web had been strangled and had the puncture wounds right and they say that that was the case with bobby as well yeah so bobby gets these puncture wounds in the neck but like it's not like gary spider sucked his blood out or something um bobby doesn't transform the professor doesn't transform he kind of chases after gladys and she falls off this cliff but like there aren't really like motivations whereas like if he was just like it's a monster and it's just gonna attack you to kill you like it should be trying to eat them and maul them not just kind of like attack and then move away and leave like a perfectly pristine body and the hint that like gary has some sense of self still where like he kind of recognizes Georgia and they even kind of after forcing him into the quicksand with the flares kind of imply that at the end. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of imply that Gary like intentionally drowns because it's better to die than live as this thing. So like there's this implication that he's kind of still in there somewhere, but they don't do enough with it, which is really unfortunate because um, I feel like Alexander Darcy who plays Gary actually had some like, good screen presence in the early part of the movie yeah i mean part of that is um this script is like ah the only man you shall take charge all these women who can barely get off the boat you will go one by one take them off the boat put them on the beach and we're going to watch you do that for every single one for sure but i was more interested in gary when he was there than like joe when joe becomes the lead guy I completely agree, agree that Joe shouldn't have been the lead guy. We should have stuck with Georgia. Sure. In but any case. I, I'm just trying to say that like the actor yeah. has like some screen presence and some charisma that should have been taken advantage of to like delve into what's going on with Gary Spider more. But he kind of just turns into like less of a character and more of like an environmental hazard. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to move on to ranking? Yeah, I don't really have much more to say about this. Yeah. Cool. I have a spot. The first place I was looking 
was at where we ranked the other film from this producer, uh, Denakta Under Satan. And I actually think that movie is a much better horror movie than this. I think this probably has better integration of babes, but <laughs> Dinocta Under Satan actually did a much better job at being a horror movie. So I don't think this is anywhere near that. Um, so I was looking really low on the list. Okay. Um, I do also have a spot picked out. What is your spot? I was looking near the bottom of the list and I spotted La Casa del Terror from a couple weeks ago with Lon Chaney. And I thought that was a better horror movie than this. Like that has the Wolfman stuff and it's like got some bad comedy too, but I felt like the Wolfman stuff in that worked better than the were spider stuff in this movie. Um, Right below La Casa del Terror is Mesa of Lost Women, which also also has a giant spider, is also on an island, also has a bunch of babes in it. This is much better than Mesa of Lost Women. Um, I would much rather watch this again than that. So my spot was uh, right between those two films. So I also started looking at Dinocta Undo Satan. That's at number 124. And that movie had far too much going on. Mm. This at least had two things it was bouncing between. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put it here. But above... Dinocta is like El Fantasma del Convento, which is kick-ass. Much better than this movie. So my spot was to just bump down Dinocta. Huh. Well, that is... Quite a difference between quite us. Quite a difference between this. Which is weird because I feel like you and I had a pretty similar opinion of this. And I was kind of surprised. Like, I was not expecting you to end up higher than me, if anything. Like, if I look down... Yeah, there's probably better horror movies in here, like White Zombie, Invisible Ghost, The Ghoul is in here. Yeah. But if I go down to your spot, I absolutely agree that it's better than Mesa of Lost Women. Looking up, like Mm -hmm. Attack of the Giant Leeches at 254 manages to make it a horror movie with that melodrama and stuff a lot more cohesively. So actually, now that I kind of think about things, maybe this is the best spot. Yeah, I think I think you went too high on that one. Um, I agree with you about the fact that Dinocta Under Satan has too much going on, but like more of what's going on in that movie is horror movie stuff. True. Uh, with just a little bit of titillation on the side. And yeah, because they all kind of fall into the horror movie tropes of like the mad scientist and all of this stuff. Yeah. Whereas here... It is like kind of looking ahead and like how horror and its exploitation are going to become a lot closer. Yes. But it, it definitely has not figured out that formula. Yeah. Not enough happens here. Like I could totally see this movie getting remade in the 80s with like grosser creature effects, more nudity, and also like having it be that slasher formula with like very creative gore effects for each kill being totally new and individualistic. Right. Absolutely. Um, but here it's, it's too primitive to really hit that. So I agree that like sort of on paper, it's better that this movie has a more cohesive focus, but the biggest flaw of this movie is that not enough actually happens. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so entering the list at the new number 256 is Ein Tater Hing im Netz from 1960, directed by Fritz Botger. If you would like to see this list, you can go to our website, screamscenepodcast.com. 
There you can find links to the many episodes that we have mentioned today, as well as our appeals box. If you would like to contest this or any other ranking, you can drop us a line through our ask box on Tumblr, or you can reach out over email at screamscenepodcast at gmail.com. Scream Scene updates every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can support the show by leaving us a rating or a review, subscribing to our RSS feed, or just telling a friend about the show. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow our audience. If you really want to show your support, you can do so financially by heading on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast, where you can become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. Patrons at the $5 and $10 level get access to regular bonus content, and that goes a long way towards helping us with um, continuing to do the show, whether that's with the hosting fees or taking the time out to do the research and watch the films and record the episodes. It also just, um, we just really appreciate it. It's really nice to have your support. So head on over to patreon.com slash Podcast. So Ben, what are we watching next week? Next week, Sarah, we are back to Italy uh, for La Monte del Vampiro, or The Vampire and the Ballerina. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it's going to be another movie trying to mix sex appeal and horror. We'll see if they do a better job. Let's hope so. See you next week, Creatures of the Night. Bye. Bye. Bye.